0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: Folks, we've been going through Matthew chapter 12 and we've entitled the series the king's freedom. And what really he's talking about here concerning freedom has to do with really freedom from the things that would bind us that would that would enslave us concerning religion. Because whether you realize it or not, you can be enslaved even by Christianity, by your thoughts about Christianity as far as what really God is impressed with or what he really wants to see from us. And a lot of it has to do with, quote, our outward actions by how we look to other people. Because with religion and even with church, with Christianity, you can get distracted. You can get distracted from what really you should be focused on, but really you end up getting focused on something else. You're going to see there's a couple things that I want you to see about concerning distraction. Number one is this. We can be distracted by focusing on how we appear to others. We can get distracted by focusing on how we appear to others. Let me just go ahead and say this real quick to you. I don't know where it began, but for some reason it it seems like when you talk about church and about coming to church and how others see you in church, it's almost like the unwritten rule that we all have to act like we've got our acts together. Ever notice that? That somehow, when it comes to our faith and our Christianity, we somehow have to make sure that we look like we've got our acts together. In fact, We've got it down to a science about how we are supposed to act, how we're supposed to dress, how we're even supposed to speak to each other. And so sometimes, and and I've noticed, I've read a lot of articles lately talking about what the church needs to do to change. One thing that they say that the church needs to change about is our language. Wait a minute, George, I've been told all the time that we need to quit talking like the world and talk like the church. I understand that, but church has developed its own language. We use statements that the rest of the world doesn't even know what it means. Like how many of you go up to your friends and say, boy, that was really great fellowship. They're looking at you like, what are you talking about? And you're talking about the food time at church. Isn't that what we call fellowship in church? We use language that nobody understands. And so we think that in order to look good, we've got to talk like everybody else in church. We've got to dress like everybody else. We've got to act like everything's together. In fact, if I were to go up to Brad and I'd say, hey, Brad, how's your week been? Immediately, Brad's going to say what? Good. Good. Now, was his week really good? No, he was honest, okay? He's been coming to church here a while. He knows now, okay? But most of us would never say, oh, it's not been good. Why? Because we've been trained that if you love Jesus and if you walk with Jesus, everything's supposed to be what? Good. You can't tell people that it's not good. In fact, let's be honest with you, the reason why we also do it is because we don't expect any other answer than what? Good. Like if I came up to Brad and I said to him, how's your week been? If Brad said to me, well, I had this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem, besides that, I've got all these other things We don't know what to do if he tells us that. Because we're expecting him just to say what? Good. Good. See, here's the thing. We've developed a culture, and this is what religion does, where we have to focus on what? How we appear to others. We have to appear like we have our act together spiritually, that we're not struggling. In fact, isn't that what we tell people? Just suck it up. Isn't that what we tell them? Put your best face on. Just suck it up? See, that's being distracted from what's really real. That's part of what the whole issue of religion is. Focusing on the outward appearance. Acting like you've got your act together. In fact, that's what Jesus was dealing with when he was dealing with the Pharisees. They were a mess. Inside, they were a mess. But boy, they looked good to everybody else. Boy, they were the upstanding. In fact, they judged others who couldn't, quote, get their act together like they could. But here's what I want you to understand about the distracted thing. How we react to Jesus reveals who we really are. How we react to Jesus reveals who we really are. Because here's the thing. You can have your act together. You can look good. You can be perfect as far as even church culture is concerned. But it really comes down to how you react to who Jesus is and what he tells you to do. That really reveals where you're at. Because that's what he's trying to communicate to these Pharisees. Oh, they knew the law. Oh, they worshiped God. Oh, they did all of this. But then when Jesus comes along and he's doing what he's doing, they had a negative reaction to him because he didn't fit their thinking. He didn't fit their logic as far as how somebody should be. And so therefore, they were rejecting him. And he's saying, wait a minute now, you just can't reject me. Because that really reveals where your heart is. All this other stuff on the outward is meaningless. What really matters is your heart. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the inward reality. Because here's, folks, listen to me. I go away sometimes and I meet folks and I I go to conferences and stuff and and I get around folks and they start using the Jesus language and they're being overly spiritual and I'm just like, can we not be real? Because the fact of the matter is, is that all that outward stuff means nothing it's who you are on the inside that matters it's who you are on the inside that's what jesus is talking about here who are you on the inside because having her act together on the outside means nothing to him in fact he's going to show us through what seems to be some very odd statements he's going to tell us what really matters so look with me because you might be saying whoa where are you talking to where are you going out here look with me we're going to look. From verse 38 through the end of the chapter, verse 50, I want you to look at what Jesus is saying to them. It starts off with a question from the Pharisees. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, And even an adulterous generation seek after a sign. No sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was... Three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment against this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment at this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Indeed a greater than Solomon is here. When an unclean spirit goes out of man, and he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall also be with this wicked generation. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Lord, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother. And sister and mother. okay, what we're going to do is it seems like a question he's answering, a discussion about demons, and and this issue of who who's his family. What is that all going? Well, the writer here, Matthew, is bringing that all together to make one point about the inward reality. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the issue of sincerity. We're going to find that in verses 38 to 42. We're going to talk about what really matters, verses 43 through 45, and then we're going to talk about the family of God in the last section here. So let's talk about the issue of sincerity. Notice now, they start off with this question, teacher, we want a sign from you. Here's what's going on here. They were insincere about understanding who he is, who Jesus is. They were insincere about understanding who Jesus is. Let me just stop for a moment. In this chapter, Jesus heals a guy of a withered hand. In this chapter, Jesus heals a guy who's, who's demon-possessed, blind and mute. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you see that happening every week in Kerwinsville? Do you see that? Is that like common day, everyday occurrences in our community? Let me just stop for a moment. Just like here, that doesn't happen every day in their community. And so Jesus is the one who's doing this. He's healing a withered hand. He's healing people who are lame and causing them to walk. He's healing those who are demon-possessed, who can't speak, and who are blind. These are spectacular, amazing things. And guess what the Pharisees say? We need a sign from you to prove who you are. You think that's ridiculous? What more do they need to know? See, they're not really interested in knowing who he is. They're insincere. They were insincere about understanding who Jesus is. Now, let me just stop for a moment. What's that got to do with what we're talking about here? Here's what I want you to understand. Here are these guys. They're doing everything right as far as what their synagogue wanted them to do. They're tithing. Folks, they tithe beyond just simply giving something at an offering. They made and showed up every time they needed to be at anything. They looked good. They acted good. They knew the the Old Testament scriptures. They knew everything. They were perfect. Now, here's the problem. So then when the one who comes who's greater than the people that they looked up to, they're asking him, can you prove it? He's already proving it. See, they really aren't sincere about knowing God. They're just following, are you ready to this? They're just following a religion. They're really not interested about following Jesus. So they were insincere about understanding who Jesus is. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Jesus tells them this. The resurrection of Jesus is the basis for true belief. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign except this one sign. The Son of Man's going to be in the ground three days. That's your sign. What's he talking about? The resurrection. Look, let me just stop for you. I want everybody to understand this. Your acceptance with God. You Being accepted by God. God accepting you for who you are in spite of the wrong things you do. In spite of the wrong things you've done. In spite of the wrong things that you're going to do. Did you hear I just said that? That In spite of the wrong things that you're going to do. Everybody realize you're going to do something wrong. Folks, you're going to do something wrong today. Some of you are going to go to Walmart today because you've been putting off your, your Christmas shopping and you're going to get mad at somebody there. You may not say it out loud, but you're going to get mad at somebody. You're going to have wrong thoughts. You're going to do wrong today. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to do wrong. Your acceptance with God is only because of one thing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not because you gave money in an offering. Not because you showed up here. Not because you read your Bible. Not because you look good. Not because you act good. Not because you act like a Christian. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with any of that. They're asking for a sign for him to prove. Jesus says, I'm only going to give you one sign. I'm going to die and be raised again. That's your sign. That's the basis for your belief in me is that I died on the cross for you and that I'm going to rise again on the third day. That's the basis for belief. That's the basis for salvation, folks. It's not how good you are, not your acting, not not how perfect you are. It's not your religious stuff. Do you understand? That's not the basis of your acceptance with God. See, the sincere, realize who he is. You died for me. You died for me. You rose again. The resurrection of Jesus is the basis for true belief, but they couldn't grasp it because they were all focused on the outward. So here's what I want you to see. He's, he's kind of bringing it to a point here. He uses two illustrations. He uses Nineveh and their reaction to Jonah, and that is they repented. He uses the queen of the south. That's the, the queen from Ethiopia who came to visit king solomon to seek his wisdom and he says that their generation is going to be condemned what's going on here rejecting jesus brings condemnation bottom line that's what brings condemnation rejecting who jesus is rejecting what jesus did for you rejecting jesus brings condemnation do you understand what i'm saying now, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is amazing because th- I know for a fact that they couldn't grasp that. Why? Because here they are, they're the perfect religious ones. They're the ones who are keeping the Old Testament laws. They're the ones who are going to synagogues. They're taking the best seats. They're doing all their things. They're they're showing off how much they're giving. They're doing all the services. They're giving the alms. They're doing all this stuff for God. They look good on the outside. But here's the one thing they were doing. They were judging everybody else's. You're just nothing but a sinner. You're going to hell. Jesus comes along, turns that completely upside down, and says to them, all that stuff you're doing is meaningless. and you're rejecting me, you're the ones who are going to be condemned. It's the ones who are sinners who turn to God and say, God, you died for me. You're the ones who are accepted. You understand? See, you can, here's the thing, I'm I'm warning you, you can get caught up in this. Because I've been caught up in it. I'm warning you, it is so easy to get caught up in the subtleness of church that all of a sudden, you lose sight of what really matters. And it's silly. I mean, Lori and I have been married 23 and a half years now. And I can remember when we first got married, I, I was, uh, I'm a southern guy. My, my daughter was proving that to me because of my linguistics This since she's come home, about some of the phrases I've used that's from the south. And, um, and in the south, I, you, you wear a coat or a suit to church. And, and I've told you this before about first Sunday after we got back from our honeymoon, we're going to her home church, and uh, I put on my suit to go to church and Lori looks at me and like what are you doing we're going to church you don't need to wear that I'm going to church you should wear a suit to church well the church that Lori grew up in is filled with dairy farmers and workers and they're dressed just like you are so guess what George wears his suit guess who wore a suit that day me and the preacher yeah yeah why? Because I felt you had to look good? But you be, Let's be honest. Jesus doesn't look, God doesn't look at how you look at, like on the inside. Outside, does he? He looks at you on the what? The inside, the heart, right? Now that's just one silly thing. There's been a lot of other things that I've had to realize that that's not what impresses God. What really matters is The inside, who you really are. Who you really are. Because rejecting Jesus brings condemnation. He goes on and he says this, what really matters, verse 43 through 45. He brings up an illustration about a guy who's demon-possessed. Now, a lot of folks like to focus on this passage to talk about the issue of demons. He's using a parable here. He wants to convey a greater truth. So let me just read it to you. Don't get hung up on the demon issue here. Get hung up on the greater truth here. Look with me. Verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. He goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it also shall be with this wicked generation. Here's what I want you to see. He's using an illustration. What's the illustration? He's talking about a guy who is messed up on the inside because on the inside he has a demon. Well, that demon leaves him. And so while that demon is gone, he tries to clean himself up on the outside. He gets his whole outward actions cleaned up. Well, the demon comes back, but this time he finds everything in order. That means all his actions are in order. But he comes back and he brings seven more demons with him. Guess what? The guy's in a worse case scenario than before. What's the point he's making here? Here's what he's making for you to understand. Cleaning up the outward appearance is meaningless. Listen to me. I've been there, I know this. When you come to church and you hang around church people, you find out real quick what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, right? When you come to church and you hang around church people, you find out real quick what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And then you begin to realize, well, maybe I need to change this. Maybe I need to quit doing this. Maybe I need to quit doing that. And, and some of that is okay. Some of that's okay. But what we try to do is when we show up to church and we become part of the church is that we all of a sudden feel like we've got to clean up our outward actions. That's what this guy was doing. Only the problem was he was messed up on the inside. He didn't do anything to clean up the inward mess up. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, if you just focus on changing the outward, but you don't change the inward, it's meaningless. Because you're still a mess. Do you know what I'm saying? Stop for a moment. Think about it for a minute. How many people have you met that look good on the outside, but on the inside they're a mess? And even though they try to act good, they still end up just, they're still a what? A mess. They're actually more miserable, right? Because they're trying through their outward actions to act like they got it all together. But on the inside, they know who they really are, right? Messed up. See, cleaning up the outward appearance is meaningless. Here's what I want you to see. Unless there's a heart change, you'll be in a worse condition. Unless there's a heart change, you'll be in a worse condition. See, what really matters is is if you're going to change, it's got to be inside. Changing from the inside out, not from the outside in. I have never met anybody who has changed in their character and who they really are by changing from the outside in. I'm just going to tell you something. That doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Stop for a moment, folks. You know as well as I do, there are people who come to church, they act like church, do like church, but still on the inside, they're what? Because they hadn't changed, they're a schmuck. But you've met them, haven't you? See, changing the outward is meaningless. Unless there's a heart change. All right, let's just stop for a moment. Here's a quiz: Who changes your heart? Can you change your heart? All right, everybody, everybody, all right I see everybody's nodding. All right, everybody, everybody, recognize: We can't change our heart, right? then why do we try acting like we're trying to get our act together when we can't be the one to change us? It's got to be who? God. See, see, the, see the problem with focusing on so much on trying to get the outward actions in line? Folks, I've been in churches where everybody looked like they had their act together but they were not together because they were awfully mean to everybody else. Mean and vicious. Look good. But their hearts were wrong. You've seen that. See, this is what Jesus is talking about. You're you're no different than this guy. In fact, you're actually in a worse condition. Why is it worse? Because you think you're okay. And you're blind to the fact that you're not. So then he wraps it up with this discussion. It's kind of a weird, how does this fit in with the whole issue of the family of God? Well, here's the point. Those who respond to Jesus in obedience are his true family. Those who respond in obedience to Jesus are his true family. Let me just stop for a moment. What matters more to Jesus is not how religious you appear, how churchy you appear, whether you do all that stuff or not. That really doesn't matter to Jesus. What matters more to Jesus is are you doing what he told you to do? That matters to Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you right now, here's the kind of stuff that Jesus tells you and I to do. Get rid of that attitude towards that other person. Forgive that person who hurt you. Go make it right with that person you hurt. Those are the kind of things Jesus tells us to do. Accept the unacceptable. That's the kind of stuff Jesus tells us to do. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's easier to try to act like we got our act together than to do that kind of stuff because that kind of stuff that Jesus tells us to do is just flat out, can I be honest with you, hard and impossible. And then in and of yourself, you can't do it. Why? Because something's got to change in you. What's got to change in you? Your heart. But here's the key. The key to the heart change, Jesus changing your heart, is being obedient to what he tells you to do. Now, let me just stop. I just gave you a few things out in the open. Those are just general things. God's speaking to some of you right now as you've been talking to him, as you've been communicating with him. He's been showing you something that you need to do. I have no clue what it is, but you know what it is because it's the thing that keeps coming up over and over and over in your own heart. You need to change this. You need to do this. I'm telling you to do that. See, that's the issue. Jesus says, if you want to be a part of my family, it's not doing all this other stuff. Who, those who are really a part of my family are those who are what? Obedient to the Father, who do what I tell them to do.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.